So it's actually three, six, and seven. Those are all the types of diabetes that I have. Oh. <laughs> Welcome to the Video Reformation Podcast. I'm Ben Oliver. I'm Justin Plant. We're the co-founders of Storyboard Media and your guides to practicing effective video for business. We're like the Aslan to your annoying little kids who went through the wardrobe. Mm-hmm. Narnia. Wasn't he like a kind of like a Christ figure? Yes. Is that what you're implying? I mean, I was trying to imply it, but now we're more explicitly yeah. stating that. Um, yes, always read between the lines with our uh, similes. Today we are going to talk about, I hesitate to say different funnel models because some of them aren't even funnels. Sure. But the genesis was... Traditional from... models for customer journeys or, or yeah. whatever. I guess we'll get into that. Uh, before we do dive right into that, though... Uh, we do have a new sponsor for this episode. Surprise, surprise. It's not fake. Uh, our new sponsor this week is Airbnb. Mm-hmm. Yep. Are you founding member? So, I, you know, I, I haven't read the copy yet. Um, <laughs> but you so have some shares. That, that may and be... And a board seat. Uh, you know, I may... Um, maybe it perfect candidate for Airbnb. But we'll find out later. Okay. okay. We'll find out later. So, funnels, models. Yeah, most people have heard if you if you're in sales or marketing, uh maybe even customers, I don't know, if you're in business, you have likely heard of uh a funnel and they're all different shapes and sizes and <clears throat> generally they are to help describe the buyer's journey what their, you know, the decision-making process they go through to buy something. And a lot of it can even be kind of translated or looked at a little bit differently as in like a change in behavior. Mm -hmm. uh, and I, I, like, I like thinking of selling as changing someone's behavior of either continuing with their, their status quo or having to divert because there's a, a better opportunity over there. Or because you tricked them into it. Yeah. That's the primary difference between sales and marketing, right? Yeah. <laughs> sales tricks people into doing things. Marketing... Allows them to trick themselves. <laughs> enables the, tr yeah. the tricksters. I imagined that we were going to present alternatives to some of the traditional models that have been used before. Mm -hmm. We've had these conversations. Yeah. And as we've talked about this and thought about this, um, I think... It's more one of those stupid little it depends answers where each of these models actually best applies depending on where you fit in a sales cycle. Is Are, are we talking about modeling a buyer's journey or are we talking about a map to um, uh, a diagram to map content to? Yeah, I think that's. I think it's been perverted in that direction. Like, all right, so yes. at the top of our funnel, we're going to have this blog post or a bunch of blog posts, and it's right. going to drive traffic to this and 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 so on. I, it's not. It is about the change in behavior of, from a buyer's. Uh, it's their yeah change Be, in behavior, because, not what you're doing. Because these these things existed. Buyer's journeys existed before content marketing did. Sure, and I think HubSpot is probably. Do I want to say to blame? HubSpot, uh, HubSpot is m largely responsible 
for the adoption of the funnel methodology in terms of generating content. Really? Because wasn't it in Glengarry Glen Ross? I feel like it was one of the things well, he drew on the chalkboard. <laughs> yeah, but that was more decision changing. What so many people today picture when they think about a funnel is that is that you know what four step uh, a HubSpot funnel that is you know awareness, consideration, decision, purchase, mm -hmm. you know whatever those steps are. Right, because that's another thing is everybody kind of has a different yeah. name for each of those those steps in, in that process. Which I think is appropriate. Uh, yes, absolutely. Yeah. You know, they were um, kind of motivated by showing the opportunities for marketers to create content as content marketing was becoming king. Yeah. Yep. Um, but, like you said, this decision change process um, – has been around, I mean, probably forever. Mm -hmm. um, but but even the Glengarry Glen Ross version, right? AIDA. Mm -hmm. uh, what are they? Attention, interest, desire, action. I can just right sure. off the top of my head. There. Yeah, yeah. Um, AIDA. It's about fundamentally all of these models are about getting someone furthest from a purchase to like through that purchase from a point of where they don't know either that a problem exists right uh, or they don't know that a brand uh, that a brand exists that a solution yeah a solution yeah much less a solution and and these funnels can be applied to can be applied to simply to awareness right to right. how do we make people aware of our brand like you were saying as a brand manager uh, that may be your job is to just make sure that people think of your brand and know your brand. Yeah. Um, and then what gets interesting is when HubSpot then a couple of years ago says, you know what? The funnel isn't right. Fuck that. <laughs> We're going to go with the flywheel, which, of course, we all know James Watt invented. <laughs> you know, I think that's almost uh, the point where, where it was just this it was the people who had popularized the modern version of this funnel saying, you know what, this isn't right. But when you put the two side by side, I feel like the funnel, the flywheel is just missing some things. I don't think the flywheel is, is the next evolution of funnel the way that they positioned it when they announced that. I think I like the flywheel model in the sense that a lot of companies' revenue, especially B2B revenue models today, are subscription-based. And you want to, sure. to, to continue that, that momentum and inertia and, and not just keeping them as a customer, but growing that account and building that momentum as it rolls, you know, that flywheel rolls. I, I can see it now. We're actually going to end up building a Rube Goldberg machine of <laughs> funnels in yeah. this episode is what's going to happen. Because to me, that makes sense when you're on a micro level and you're talking about one existing customer or mm -hmm. one prospect who actually does become a, a customer and then is delighted by customer service and either there's an upsell opportunity generated or there's an advocacy opportunity or referral or word of mouth or 
net promoter score or whatever that customer service part is. But then the idea is that then that person then goes back into some kind of like, right, there's a, because it's cyclical, that one person even is be, is being sold something over and over again. Well, I think, yeah, it's like a nurturing model. And I think that that promoting the flywheel as the new funnel only goes to help HubSpot as a oh, marketing automation. Oh, so you have to look at it through that lens. Yes, that was that was between the lines there there too, but but if we back up to, to the funnel, one of the one of the 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 two key things that I like about the traditional did I say that traditional almost yeah. almost I think I missed the a in the beginning there yeah the tra- tra- traditional you don't really need the vowels no. according to a lot of brands these days yeah according to Wordle um, that's too too soon. No, it has two vowels. <laughs> two things that I really like about um, the traditional funnel model, especially when it's represented like this, right, mm-hmm. is part of that is that you're talking, it's, it's, if the flywheel is a micro view, the funnel, the traditional funnel is a very macro view. Mm-hmm. If you look at all of the potential prospects that are out there, whatever it is that you're selling, there are a finite number of of potential people who could buy what you're looking for. So all of those people, you'd like to get into that awareness band at the top, which is the widest band. Mm-hmm. But part of what the funnel model teaches or reinforces or whatever it is, is that that audience necessarily actually narrows down as you get closer because there are people who are then no longer a fit for your product or service. So if you look at it as a marketer or a salesperson saying, I want to go from this broadest piece of all of these potential prospects and then use this process as I better educate people, better inform people, give them the information they need to uh, consider, decide, whatever, I then get down to the best fits for my product, Mm -hmm. right, or service. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that is, and then the other thing with that too is when it is positioned like this, there is that kind of force of gravity, Right there, there is that. Like when you think about something actually going through a funnel, mm-hmm. it's going down from the wide part into sure. the small part, yep. and so even just being positioned that way on a slide deck, it it gives this sort of like it's not an unaided momentum because it's grab, but it gives it gives that prospect kind of that pull toward getting closer, as if them going through that journey is just going to get that closer and you don't have to I don't exactly know where my thought is there now that I think about it but but there's there's something other than you as a marketer just pushing them through that funnel well they have needs getting them closer to yeah they have needs and you're trying to solve that the best you can uh and and that's what the content is is all about I'm curious what you think about that traditional funnel model just in case you know whoever's listening if anyone's listening we're going to get to some other weird, interesting We don't theory. release these publicly, do we? <laughs> it's just for our employees, <clears throat> and half of them are in here. 
Um, this is a live show. We are going to get to uh, uh, several other theories of funnels. So, but right now we're just kind of breaking down the, the the current traditional funnel. What do you think about that traditional, or how? I guess maybe we are getting into a th- theoretical funnel here for ABM uh, account based marketing. Mm. So let's say you're selling, and I know we we're spe- you know usually B two B, but the first thing that comes to mind is like I sell to state government officials, but they don't come about every day, you know? Mm-hmm. So you've got new businesses starting up every day in various industries, but there's only 50-ish states. Sure. So what happens as people fall out? Do they, is there some sort of like, you know, weird jet stream thing? Like, I'm just curious what that might look like and how, how AB, ABM marketers uh, draw their their funnel or their they draw their buyer's decision making process. Yeah, I think the way that um was it terminus? Is that what they're called? Mm-hmm. One of the early advocates of of ABM, they've always kind of drawn it as an upside down funnel, haven't they? Yeah, that's right. So we didn't get that one on here. No, we that's didn't. right. Um I mean, yeah, it's right there. <laughs> um so they start part two. with yeah i i don't know okay i'll have to look back into that we haven't worked if with a i whole lot said of- i don't know every time i don't know we would have half a number of episodes that, <laughs> that we do um i i think right it's be, account-based marketing is is at its core you've identified who the individual possibilities are and that's finite and that is finite, and that is specific. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's some element of it where it, it. I don't know. I don't know. I don't understand. I haven't ever paid enough attention to. Yeah, to me that neither. Model. And there's some actually. There's some folks even here in the triangle who are really, really, which is why well known about it. Should we should we just kind of uh, touch on what these other ones are and. Uh, and just to give us a little sneak preview. Yeah. So, so I mean, if we start with, if we start with the HubSpot traditional funnel model, then they, a couple of years ago, said Flywheel is the way to go, um, right? And Flywheel has some advantages for it too. It does have that, that kind of self-sustaining momentum kind of aspect to mm-hmm. it. Um, just like the funnel has that kind of pull of gravity down toward mm-hmm. that purchase decision. There's one that it, sometimes when you look at um, marketing and sales funnels that then prior to the flywheel but did include kind of post-sale mm-hmm. marketing, it then tends to – it looks like two triangles on top of each other, like an hourglass, mm-hmm. the conjoined triangles of success, right. as it were. You um, yeah that was uh, Jack Barker from the CEO of Pied Piper yes but his were together uh, yes. like that see that and then uh, it, but you t- really flipped that on its side you, you pulled it apart and reassembled it yeah I, I put the points together and I'm I'm still waiting for you're still waiting for a reply from him yeah but yeah. the email keeps bouncing. Right, that actually then uses that intersection of those two funnels, that vertex, if you will, um, to indicate kind of the purchase decision. So the top half, uh, the funnel is getting somebody through marketing and sales to the point where they become a customer, 
And then how do you leverage that customer for loyalty, advocacy, et cetera? And growth, Upsell, that, yeah, repeat upsell, purchases, exactly. land and expand, um, referrals, word of mouth. Right. Anytime we talk about referrals, we need to talk about the law of diffusion of innovation, which we talk about a lot on this podcast. Which is um, another type of funnel, but it's more of a different, it's a different axis of... Yeah, it's 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 the... Adoption. It's the evolution of... <laughs> it's the evolution of your market. Yeah, yes. So that would go at the front end of the Rube Goldberg machine of funnels, right? <laughs> yeah, and then and then a couple of years ago, um, I started talking about more of a, a content funnel, um, but in building out roadmaps, a, a really apt metaphor to me is like the Price is Right game Plinko. Mm-hmm. You, you put that like puck in at the top. So to me, that it's it's another micro level. Um, content funnel where you you drop someone into that and the gravity is kind of pulling them closer to that buying decision, right? Always, mm-hmm. always closer to purchase. It is in Plinko. In reality, the buying process sometimes. Well, yeah, but but that's the thing about Plinko is like sometimes they're like the physics work where even though gravity's pulling it down, it then bounces off of one of those mm-hmm. little peg things, and it can move laterally. Because as or a, even as a buyer up. is searching for a solution, they think they're headed here, and then all of a sudden they see something, and now they're way o- like they're way over here. Well, and and I also like to yes. Yeah, so as they learn more. In fact, specifically, it's probably the most apt model for the self-educational buyer's journey, which is now kind of the prevalent buyer's journey, uh, at least in B2B, is somebody, you know, basically, I think the way that they say it is they get 85% of the way through the process before they're willing to engage with sales. Mm -hmm. To me, it's actually then creating those pegs or those slots in the content that you create, whether that's ebooks, blogs, videos, whatever it may be, because you can kind of direct them certain ways, but then depending on what that individual needs based on their pain points, their problems, their solutions, they're going to be drawn to other things. And you almost have to just create this library of content that can help educate and better inform those prospects because you don't have the advantage of a salesperson right yeah. then, right? You're that, you're you're leaving it to your buyer, which I don't think a lot of marketers would trust the buyer to take the right journey. So you almost have to just put so much stuff out there that as they bounce around from place to place, you're at least putting something there where they land next. See, that that seems like <clears throat> a realistic visualization of a modern buying process. It does. But it's incredibly frustrating for marketers and salespeople. Yes. As people change their mind, there's like whiplash, you know, you're just getting, as a, it, you don't feel it as much as the buyer because you're, you're delaying your decision and that, that behavior change, which is, oftentimes gratifying to not have to, uh, to make that commitment. But as a marketer, how do you make a call to action if you don't know, like, y- right. you want them to go down, 
but they see something that makes them want to go that way. Um, one thing that I, I remember we have just created, actually just released to a client, uh, which it can be applied in a lot of different uh, types of, of marketing, but the, um, the buyer's guide, mm-hmm. where it's kind of a choose your own adventure video series. Mm-hmm. And within the video player, you could say, oh, actually, yeah, when he mentioned that, that is the one. So he clicks the button or the buyer clicks the button. And then it brings you down that Plinko scale right. or whatever. Um, and just so having that interactive style of marketing can be really, uh, really helpful. This, sound, this might sound a little nefarious. With that, where like you get to the end of a 90-second video and then you say, if you'd like to know more about this, click here to watch this video. But if you're more interested in this, click here to watch this video. You're kind of giving your audience the illusion of choice there. You're still only giving them two options. Mm -hmm. But it does feel, I think, a little more empowering and a little more personalized, or maybe not personalized, but individualized, so that now, then, if on top of that you can accurately track those metrics and understand which individual person is watching which videos, it's going to help some, once they do say, I'm interested in talking to someone about this, that's really important information for- You can see the decisions they made along the way. And also on a macro scale, you can start to see where the grooves are in this Plinko mm-hmm. thing um, and start to see that 80% of our customers start here and then end up over here. Right. And that's really, really uh, great information. Yeah. Instead of directing someone towards a solution and maybe they don't, maybe it's not the right solution for them, but they bought it anyhow because it's the best thing that they could find. Yeah. Now they get to decide. It's great for the marketers because they get to see the results and it's more of like, it's kind of like a AB through X texting or mm-hmm. uh, testing. Mm-hmm. Um, another thing that, that that brings up too is you need to create a large volume of content for this self-educational buyer. Yeah. And one Mostly of the, video, right? Well, which, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. The vast majority of your marketing budget should be going to yeah, storyboard media, uh, to video. Yeah. Yes. You, you shan't just create a piece of content, a, a topic in one medium. Mm-hmm. So um, the buyer's guide, a buyer's guide example, because I think you were actually mixing two projects that we did. There was a buyer's guide and then there oh, the was user, the, that's, yeah, the yeah, user yeah. journey yeah, yeah. thing. But the buyer's guide brings up another point that that was something where we took a client's highest performing piece of gated content, uh, their highest converting piece of content, and turn that into a video series. Mm-hmm. The the more recent development we've had in terms of a customer journey. Oh, don't let's reveal that one after the sponsor. Should we say that one? Yeah, that's is, my favorite. Yes, is coming up after we hear from our sponsor. <laughs> that's a much better. Yes, yeah, much better tease. Okay, our sponsor today is Airbnb, and it pretty much explains itself. So. There's people have hair. Yeah. Right? Now, you're familiar with Airbnb? Yep. Right? It's a place where people can like put up a house or a guest room or whatever for people to rent. Mm-hmm. Well, what if you were someone like me mm-hmm. and you had a really important pitch meeting mm-hmm. to go to 
And you know that people are biased toward bald people. You know in your heart that people are biased think, toward bald people. Okay. This all, this all. Okay. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not going to. You would want to look your best that day. And with Airbnb, you can actually find wigs near you that belong to other people, but you can kind of pick and choose and have a different hair, hair okay. each day without the additional cost of ownership of all of those wigs yourself. Oh, wow. So let's say you were in a sales meeting or, or let's say you're going on a date with a uh, Gen Z, you might want like purple hair. Absolutely. But you don't want to have that overhead cost of maintaining and, and purchasing a purple wig. Right. Or God forbid, if you had hair, dyeing your hair purple. Right. Just for that one date right. with Jen. Yeah. Gen Z. Yeah. <laughs> so I thought you meant when he first said it. I was like, who is Gen Z? <laughs> Hi, Jennifer. Nice to meet you. Oh, I go by Jen. Yeah. So that's pretty much it for Airbnb. It's a wig rental. It's a crowdsourced wig rental platform mm -hmm. that I have just invented. And so not no only- No way. Wait. Yeah. Okay, so it is a real, yeah. See all that copy right there? Yeah. I am not only uh, the president, but I'm also a member. And the only customer? Yeah. So it, it's a network effect. Like, you need to have more. Right. And the only problem with the platform so right now. So on our podcast? I don't know. <laughs> the only problem with it right now is we don't actually have anybody who owns any wigs. Mm. On the platform, renting out wigs. I don't. Yet. I don't think I know a single person who owns a wig. Then they're wearing a good wig. Yeah. Because if Do you, if have you one don't know, I no, not Left today. It. Okay. Yeah. If we had the platform fully up and what we're looking for is seed money. That's really <laughs> what this. Not so much an ad, but a right. An not ask. so much an ad, but um, I'm I'm workshopping the pitch. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Good. Good for you. I got Google demo days next week. Yeah. And do this, you? this is this is where I'm at right now All with right. that. Airbnb. Is it just for the head? Uh, nope. Okay. Nope. Uh, in fact, if you would like to donate your back and chest hair, mm -hmm. I'm sure there are people who, especially as it gets warmer, would love to go out with a tank top on, but have it also look like they've got mm. a sweater because it's warm midday, but it's still a little chilly. Well, also, at like that sun damage can really cause yeah. some issues, and yeah, you know, UV ratings for body hair. Yeah, that's. I feel like we've gotten off track here. Um, so yes, thank you to our new sponsor, Hair B and B. So we we've, we've talked about traditional funnels yeah. and the where this all started. Uh, and then the evolution of these funnels to flywheel, to a conjoined triangles of success, to Plinko, which is kind of a, uh, it is a pretty realistic look at the modern B2B buying process, or even just like B2C, whatever, any consumer. So you really could start off by looking at the law of diffusion of innovation bell curve and and looking at your market as a whole and understanding where, what's your product maturity? Who's buying your product? Is it, um, is it the early adopters, early majority, late majority? So that's, that is a great thing to bring up. Uh, Thank you. Is that, <laughs> uh, Good. I was going to let Let's you ramble. Let's talk about, about that more. <laughs> 
Um, <laughs> is your funnels, your funnel for your buyers will evolve over time. Yes. And the way that people buy and consume your product or your service changes as your product and service matures, people will buy differently. Right. And they need different things. As you go from left to right on that bell curve, your buyers are willing to take less risk. But the ones who are willing to take the risk are the ones who help you develop it, develop it for a broader audience, too. They're the ones who are willing to say, I want honest because it looks interesting. Mm -hmm. This looks ahead of the curve. This looks bleeding edge. Like, I want to be a part of this on the ground floor. And as part of that exchange, oftentimes, they're able to provide feedback. I remember when we started with ClickUp? Yeah. We oh, yeah. would send a support request and we'd hear back from one of the founders. And like two days later, there'd be a new feature. Yeah. Because we had said like, hey, it'd be really cool. And they actually if. marketed it really well. Yeah. Their, their emails for updates are amazing. Um, and now ClickUp has gotten to this level where I doubt the founders are responding to any of those. Right. But because we were one of those real early adopters, we had that access and we helped. We were almost a beta audience for them. Um, but our usage and our suggestions helped them build out the platform so that it was less risky for someone who was then in that less risk-averse risk -averse state to come in a year later and adopt their platform and, for themselves. And it's 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 a, an ecosystem because we enjoyed that opportunity to give feedback and help yes. shape the product because we are still looking for the perfect project management platform. Right. And if there's one out there who's willing to listen to us, we'll tell you everything we need. You go build it. Um, have, you, have you heard about Airbnb's project management platform? <laughs> no? That might be a pivot that's coming soon. <laughs> Um, okay, so we, we talk about, so whichever one of those kind of maturity models your buyer, your market is in, that kind of then drops you into a traditional funnel, right? So you, you've got to get people aware of either your brand or aware that they have a problem, mm -hmm. because I think those are often used interchangeably when talking about that top awareness piece of the funnel. But if we're now in this kind of triangle-shaped funnel... To me, the top part of that funnel down to that kind of bottom point is that marketing and sales journey down to where somebody makes that purchase. Mm -hmm. So that could be where we bring in then the bottom triangle for the conjoined triangles of success because now somebody who started out in our wherever our market maturity was has gone through, they've become a customer. Now this is where I think the conjoined triangles of success, which then turns those customers into upsell opportunities, long-term customers, advocates, mm -hmm. where they keep buying, they keep recommending those kinds of things. That's where that conjoined triangles of success thing is then where I see that's where somebody could kick out into a flywheel. Yep. Okay. Right? So they kind of fall through, they, they squeeze through the middle of the hourglass there, and then they start to bounce around in this, now I'm a customer marketing delighting kind of part. And then they drop into this flywheel, which, right, the force of gravity gives the flywheel enough motion that as it starts spinning. But now we're talking about that one customer who's now bought something. So you are putting, mashing them all together. 
It's kind of working. Uh, yeah. No, I'm, I'm trying to kind of go from the, the macroist level to the microist yeah. level. And then within that, I think where Plinko fits is then if we go back to that traditional funnel, that's kind of that content marketing model within the top half of those conjoined triangles. I, I do think they actually do all fit together in an ecosystem of the admittedly complex buyer's journey of a B2B buyer. And I would say the I would say the bottom okay. Now wherever, you go. wherever we are in the maturity of, of our, our company, uh, the buying Does everybody know what a funnel is? You said the top half of this traditional funnel yeah. is uh, the Plinko model. I would say the bottom half is the one that I've been looking forward to talking about the most, mm. which is the funnel cake. The funnel cake. Let's, Let's let that sink in for a second. Yeah. Funnel cake. The funnel cake. Which is you lure your customers in with treats, right. delicious little fried treats. With complex carbohydrates that have been deep fried complex not at all let's touch on the funnel cake and then we can explain why it fits at the bottom or at least why i think it does i think the funnel cake was an absolute accident in an internal meeting but, but it stuck for a reason but it stuck because if you stay on this this kind of micro level if you watch one in fact if you were tracking and analytics are setting the right cookies and tags and, and whatever. If you were to visually map out your customers' journeys and how they actually got from not on your radar to a paying customer, um, it would look very much like a funnel cake looks. Mm -hmm. it, it goes all around it loops back on itself it overlaps itself it's unique every time yes it's this individual almost chaotic view that despite its like seeming randomness actually kind of comes out with a very tasty result <laughs> right and some people put powdered sugar on top some people put uh gravy, uh, gravy. um uh what, what, Fried Twinkies. Another dimension of, of looking at the funnel cake model is that in a, in a B2B buying process, as you said, like at the top of this, the funnel that we have the Plinko mm. side, where one or maybe two people represented from the, the buying committee, let's call it, right. are doing that uh, discovery process and trying to understand does this product or this brand work for us? And then we get to the bottom and that's where typically more executive level people come in to help make that decision. And so funnel cakes are big. You got a lot of people that you can feed with a funnel cake. So all of a sudden funnel people- Funnel cakes feed more than one person? <laughs> they can. Um, so there's multiple people eating uh, this, this seemingly chaotic buying journey. And they're all coming in at different times, mm -hmm. likely, with like, oh, I want more of the- the fried part and oh i want the i want the powdered sugar and i want to bite from this side you bite that side it's just it just works on so many weird levels that it it feels like it makes sense as a model i think that's the key it feels like it makes sense <laughs> it no is anybody following I, me i i it 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 really is it's the inelegant solution 
that mapping a B2B buyer's journey needs. It's admission. It's admitting that yes. it's fucked up. The, the because, process is fucked up. You know, and th- this is another, right? It's so easy for marketers and salespeople to lose sight of the audience, right? We want, I mean, think about what, what HubSpot's funnel does. HubSpot's funnel takes chaos and randomness and what the audience is actually doing and it tries to put it into four steps Mm -hmm. and that is a very marketer centric i i mean i mean it's a comfortable centric it's an author centric piece as opposed to an audience centric piece we so often see with our clients and prospects how when it comes to messaging and scripting and those kinds of things, people are naturally drawn to what appeals to them without thinking, the is this what's going to appeals to themselves as the author, yep. as the creator of said piece of content, as opposed to what the audience is going to connect to. And these traditional models of funnel are, are just that they're, trying to take they're saying oh yes this is something manageable and i can think about this in four groups of people as opposed to the actual individual journeys that each actual buyer takes and that's where the plinko model and and the funnel cake model to me are just so much more actual buyer focused as opposed to you know audience focused as opposed to author focused Mm -hmm. so if you understood any of that i'd love to hear from you uh drop a comment um write me a note that'd be really encouraging that you know we struck a chord with somebody what else did we want to talk about with funnel models Uh, you mentioned bringing up the manifesto uh, is basically built in part because of this buyer's this complicated buyer's journey. Yeah, I, I think um, B two B video is intended to s- assist in that buying process. Yes, and I think the manifesto is aware of the difficulty. Right, uh, you know, action. We, I'm paraphrasing here, but we have to give our audience something to do and we have to make it easy for them to do that. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, we've wasted their time and our time mm-hmm. making it, right? So how do we create a call to action that easily presents to someone, whether it's left, right, up, down, wherever they're going in that journey mm-hmm. through that funnel that that we have, we have to at least give them the option to go somewhere. Mm-hmm. We have to give them the ability to take an action and um, either either basically say, I'm not a fit for this. Mm-hmm. This is very interesting and I want to know more or talk to someone or get a demo or whatever the right time for that is. Or I need more information. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you think about calls to action in those three categories – Right. You're you're saving your sales team time with unqualified leads by by getting rid of the people who don't qualify or it's not a fit for. So there's value there for the people who you've given enough information to go ahead and take that next big step, which is actually engage a person 
to sell to them. Mm-hmm. That's a big, that's a key moment. And for the people who just need more information, you you need to, like we talked about, you have to create all of this content and all of these different formats so that they can figure out for themselves whether they're a fit or not when and get to that point right because you've got to i don't i don't hear enough in this kind of self-educational buyer's journey i don't hear enough talk about just different personality types if you just break it down into introverts and extroverts like an introvert will spend six months researching something before they want to talk to a salesperson mostly because most salespeople are extroverts and introverts are afraid of extroverts. But an extrovert is the kind of person who just wants to talk. Which is why this works. The, right. Um, as I cower in fear over here waiting for you to admonish me. Um, <laughs> extroverts just want to hop on the phone and like hammer it out. Mm-hmm. Right. Let's just talk about yeah. this. And so you've got both types who are maybe even equally qualified customer you know prospects of yours you've got to allow for the person who's going to spend six months researching on their own until they're like all right well i can't learn anything more and this feels like a good fit i might as well talk to someone to the like i don't know anything and i just want someone in sales to tell me everything now Mm -hmm. and then everybody in between um and that's why we need to create this content that not only drives people closer, but is delivered in in multiple ways because then you've also got learning styles and time. And is somebody gonna read a 27 page PDF or are they going to watch a three video series of of two minutes, Mm -hmm. two minute videos each? Some people are going to want to read a 27-page PDF, and some people are going to want to watch the videos. But, like, that's why... That's the integrate. Um, yes. That's where I was going with that. Um, Welcome. Right, because because our video content doesn't live in a vacuum. It, it's aware of and works with the other content that we that we have. And we also briefly touched on integrating with platforms, too. If you've got the analytic tracking information about an individual prospect... That can help you lead score mm-hmm. to identify how qualified uh, an MQL is or elevate them from an MQL to an SQL. Um, it can also be really interesting information for a salesperson to have going into that first conversation mm-hmm. is to know what topics, what features, what what whatever are the things that they have consumed the most so that you can tailor your conversation yeah. as a salesperson to those things, or at least anticipate that they're going to want to, that those are the things that they're most engaged with. And again, if, if you're, that's a really good point. And if you're tracking all that as well, you start to see how people are buying. You can start to draw a more legitimate, yes. instead of theorizing the uh, everything, uh, at least this moment in your company or product or market maturity, uh, you've got a good sense of what it is. And then, and then you jump to the next level of maturity and it's all right. over again. Justin, before we wrap up, I just... Uh, we didn't talk about Prochaska's theoretical model of change. Did I know. You I tried to skip right over that. I love that. Uh, I love that model. I just like saying Prochaska, yeah. honestly. But and trans theoretical. Yes. And we might as well throw in model of change <laughs> while we're at it. It's cool. all fun to say. But that's more of the behavior or adoption of a behavior, a new behavior. 
Right, which is where all of this started. What I like about that one is that there it, that does acknowledge a, a moment after the sale or the behavior mm-hmm. change uh, of relapse going back, and mm-hmm. then you have to re-enter that cycle. Mm-hmm. So I like that they acknowledge that there's a relapse moment. Okay, so quick recap. Funnel cake. Yeah, funnel cake was uh, was the big winner today. Yeah. So HubSpot is to blame for the funnel and the flywheel. Uh, Silicon Valley's Pied Piper is to blame for the conjoined triangles of success. Uh, the Price is Right is to blame for Plinko. And the circus. Carnies mm-hmm. are responsible for funnel cake. Smell like cabbage. And if you understand that, then you probably should host Along an here. episode <laughs> of this podcast. Um, this podcast being the Video Reformation Podcast, and we thank all of you for sticking with us as we very much bounced around like we were making our own funnel cake on this one. Yeah, this is a light. Um, but yes, a hearty discussion of buyer's journey models and their implicit advantages and disadvantages. And the, the admission that it's all kind of fucked up and nobody really knows. <laughs> yeah, you're trying to, to put order to chaos, which is always a fool's errand to some extent. So I'll just give up now. Yeah. Quit your job. Everybody's doing it. <laughs> quit your job. Wait, and on a high note. Yeah. Could could we just do a couple like ASMR quit your job tracks just to like embed subliminally through the quit your job. We're actually responsible for half of the great resignation. Quit your job. Uh, thank you for joining us on this episode of the Video Reformation Podcast. I've been Ben. I've been... Justin? Yep. Thanks. <laughs>